I'm going to read out of 1 Samuel chapter 28. You're welcome to look on the screen there. I'm going to start at verse 3 because this is an issue, and it's a, it's a unique story that many people have never really heard about. But the king of Israel, the first king of Israel was Saul. Israel was never supposed to have an earthly king. God never wanted them to have a king of flesh and blood. He wanted to be their king, but they kept asking God for a king, somebody on a throne. So the first king was Samuel, uh, excuse me, Saul, and the prophet was named Samuel, who was speaking on behalf of God. So verse three says, now Saul had, had consulted a person because he was in trouble. And Samuel, the prophet had died and all of Israel had lamented for him. And they buried him in Ramah in his own city. And Saul had put out the mediums and the spiritists out of the land. That would be the tarot card readers, those who, who say, call this and we'll give you insight into your future. Some of you remember, remember back in the day, they used to have the Psychic Friends Network. How many of you remember that? Dion Warwick would do the commercials. And I remember a song back in the 70s, Do You Know Your Way to San Jose? And I thought, she doesn't even know how to get to San Jose. How's she gonna tell me about my future? So he kicks out this, the mediums and the spiritualists, the tarot card readers, etc. You get the point. Then the Philistines gathered together and they came and they encamped at Shunem. So Saul gathered all of Israel together and they encamped at Gilboa. In other words, there's a fight that's going to happen. When Saul saw the army of the Philistines, he was afraid and his heart trembled greatly. And when Saul inquired of the Lord, the Lord did not answer him, either by dream or by Urim or by the prophets. Then Saul said to the servants, find me a woman who is a medium, that I may go to her and inquire of her. And the servant said to him, in fact, there was a woman who was a medium at Endor. The very thing that God told Saul, the first king of Israel, to banish and shut the door, he left it open. And because there was a fight that was begun to happen, and he was greatly afraid, he went back to a door because he didn't close it. So I want to talk to you this morning about close the door. Close the door. Let's pray. Father, thank you today for your word. Let everything that I say, let it fall. But every word that comes forth from you, let it change our hearts forever. In the mighty name of Jesus. And all God's men and women said, Amen. Amen. Turn to your neighbor and say, you're really good looking. And just go ahead and sit down. Thank you again for being here. I want you to... to uh, Follow us on those social platforms. We have some daily devotionals that are coming. Also, join us uh, with, uh, downloading that app on iTunes. You can get lots of things uh, that you don't get throughout the week. But I want to just thank you again for coming. But I want to begin with a thought this morning because I think this is really important as we start our week off, but we really start our, our, our life off this first of the year in 2020 with having a relationship with God and with one another and not letting the things in our past dictate us to our future and the things that we can have. Do you know that Israel never lost the battle because the enemy was too strong? It's true. Israel never lost the fight because the enemies were too strong. It was never because of the Amalekites were strong or the Philistines or the Hittites or any other termites. It was never because the enemies were too strong why Israel lost the battle. It's they lost the battle because they weakened themselves through sin. They, they began to weaken themselves through their bad choices, not putting God first. It was never because the enemy was too great, they were too big, and we were too small. No, they weakened themselves because of bad 
choices. You know, there's an interesting comparison in 1 Samuel chapter 4 and 1 Samuel chapter 10. In 1 Samuel chapter 4, there's a battle with the Philistines that's fighting that's going to happen. And so Israel gathers all the army and they start to go to battle. They bring the Ark of the Covenant out. The Ark of the Covenant represented the, the artifacts of God, the tabernacle that was traveling. And the blue flame represents the spirit of God, the presence of God. They haul out the, the Ark of the Covenant. They haul out the priest. The Bible says they gave such a shout that the earth literally began to shake. But they lost that fight. Israel, with all of its army, with all of its shouting, with all of, its, with all of the, the, the presence of God, they lost the fight. 1 Samuel chapter 14, the armies of Israel are coming against the Philistines again. But this time they don't have an entire army. They have Jonathan and one armor bearer. In 1 Samuel chapter 4, the entire Jewish army comes to fight and they lose. In 1 Samuel chapter 14, the fight is just two men, Jonathan and an armor bearer. And the scriptures say they won the fight. They won the fight against the same army, which tells us something. It's never the strength of the enemy, but it all depends on the state and strength of a believer of Jesus Christ. It depends upon that. It's, that's why where you are at spiritually will determine how you have a victory in battle. Where you're at spiritually is determining if you're going to be victorious and have victory in battle. That's why we're dealing with this issue of closing the door, of things coming back into your life, mindsets, people, relationships, media, certain things you're watching, certain things you're letting back into your life because you did not shut that door. Remember in Luke chapter 11, Jesus dealt with the same issue. The issue was the house, the person was, was cleaned up all the the bad was come out of them and the evil came out of them and it was swept, cleaned and empty. The scriptures say, remember that? And Jesus said, unless that be filled with the right stuff, that thing which was clean, that thing which was, was opened up and, and swept out, if it doesn't get filled with the right stuff, the enemy comes back in, repossesses it, re-enters it and seven times worse is what Jesus said will happen to that person. The Lord speaks of this into over and over again of shutting this door. And, this, and he says the only way you guard yourself from keeping that door open is shutting it and not letting those things re-enter back into your life. How does that happen? By being filled with the right things. The Bible says do not be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. And the scriptures goes on to tell us what Holy Spirit people do. They sing songs, they make melodies in their hearts, and they give thanks always. Not just when the bills are paid, not just when their health is good, not when the kids are doing well, but they give thanks always. Through all circumstances, through all situations, they give thanks always. Being filled with the right stuff. It tells us don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed. How? By the renewing of your mind. That's so important because many times we think once we give our hearts to Christ that everything is settled and everything is done. But you have to work out your own salvation with fear and with trembling. The Bible says by grace you've been saved through faith and not of yourselves. It's a gift of God, not by your works so we don't boast about it. You're not saved, to, you're not saved because of your work, but you're saved to do work. 
And your work, first off, is to renew your mind. You renew your mind with the Word of God. If you got junk going in, junk comes out. That's why the book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but you'll meditate on it day and night. That means you're to rehearse it over and over again, renewing the mind. The mind can be renewed with the right stuff. I don't think the binding and the loosening is the greatest weapon of a believer. I don't think that at all. People often say, well, Jesus said what you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And what you loose down on earth will be loosed in heaven. The binding and the loosening is not the greatest weapon against the enemy. It's a heart filled with God. It's a heart filled with the love of Jesus. That's the greatest weapon against the enemy. When you're filled with the Holy Spirit, it affects every part of your life. Every part of your life. The Bible says in John 14, 26, that the Holy Spirit, which is God, by the way, will teach you all things. That's why I love being a Trinitarian. That's a person that believes the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. We don't, we don't believe that, that they're, they're separate, but they're one. In other words, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a pastor, so I operate sometimes as a pastor. But I'm also a husband. Hey, I operate in the office of a husband. I'm also a father, and I operate as a father. I have three separate things I do, but it's all me. What's the point? The Holy Spirit that lives inside of every believer. The Bible says that same spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives inside of all of us. That means what do you need to be fearful for when you have resurrection power? And it says, in effect, that he can teach us all things. I love that because he can teach me how to be a good father when I didn't have a father growing up. He can teach me how to have a, a love of a wife, even though I didn't have that shown with a mother because she was never there to take care of me. He can teach me how to be an awesome person, a kind-hearted person. He can tender me up and he can strengthen me up. He can teach me all things. You know, Ephesians chapter 5 is one of the books that I reference when it talks about being spirit-filled. Many people think, well, being spirit-filled is speaking in an unknown tongue. That's not true. That's a gift from God. All of you at the sound of my voice can speak with that beautiful prayer language when you receive it by faith. The same faith you receive Jesus as a Savior is the same faith you receive him as baptizer. It's the same faith you receive him as the gift of healing. How do you know you're healed? You believe in Jesus. You believe he already won it on Calvary. He already paid the price. Therefore, the healing has already been paid for by his stripes I'm healed I receive that gift of healing how many of you know what I'm talking about that same gift of receiving is the same gift you receive him as a baptizer to give you that prayer language what what they were saying earlier that's a gift from God but that's not the evidence fully of salvation Many people teach that that's the evidence, the person that's saved and their Holy Ghost filled. Not according to Ephesians 5, it's not. It's about being filled with the Holy Spirit. Not a mention of tongues in that chapter. Not a mention of that prayer language. You can go to the book of Acts for that, Corinthians for that, 1 Corinthians 12, 1 Corinthians 14, Acts 2, Acts chapter 10, Acts chapter 19. But being filled with the Holy Spirit in Ephesians 5, it says when you are filled with the Spirit, watch this, husbands will love their wives. I like that. And then it says, wives, you're going to submit to your husband. I like that even more. Submit, woman. No, you, know, you don't do that. That's not how it works. Trust me. But then it goes to be spirit-filled. It's just not talking in an unknown tongue. It's talking correctly in English. 
It's being kind-hearted and even talking correctly in Spanish. I know how some of y'all get down that you speak that Spanish. You all, all good in English. I love Jesus. And then you get all upset and you're like, and I understand cuss words. Let me just tell you. You think I don't know, but I know the cuss words in Spanish. And so being spirit-filled, God's not interested in you speaking in the unknown tongue. He's more evident of being spirit-filled of you talking correctly in English. Being spirit-filled affects every part of our life. It tells us how to treat our wives' husbands. So you can't say, I speak in an unknown tongue and not honor that woman. That's not how it works. It says to be filled with the Spirit. Ephesians chapter 6 says that children will obey their parents. That's the sign of a Spirit-filled house. Every parent should say amen to that. If you have teenagers, you say, oh me. We're not going to go there, but you get my point. It affects every part. It's what I call pouring in the honor, the honor of God and the honor of one another. It, it shows a spirit filled life. It talks down in chapter six how we know we're spirit filled when we honor our boss at the job, even though they're unsaved because we're not doing it unto men. We're working unto God. It talks about being spirit-filled. It affects every part of your life. It's not speaking in an unknown tongue. That's not your qualifications of being spirit-filled. That's a gift from God as you have the gift of salvation, the gift of healing, the gift of perseverance, all the wonderful gifts that God's already paid for at Calvary, they're there. But a spirit-filled life is a life that you have to do your part and renew your mind. Then you got to pour in the honor. You got to honor people. You got to honor God. One of the greatest things you can do in a church to bring revival is honor people, love people, tell them about the good news, honor them, not where you want them to be, but where they're at right now. Not whether they believe or not. What you're doing, you're not trying to make a point, you're trying to make a difference. Often we go around trying to make a point. That's why social media is so stupid sometimes. Everybody gets on their little high horse and wants to make a point. Well, my point is, nah, 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 and I believe the scripture. And then they throw God in there to be divisive. The word was there to rightly divide, not to divide us. It rightly divides truth from error, light from darkness. It divides the bone from the marrow. It's the word of the living God. It cuts going in and it cuts going out, but it definitely changes your life. And it could be done in love. Speak the truth in love. So the spirit-filled life affects every part of your life. That's why being spirit-filled is the greatest weapon against the enemy. Because it deals with honor. It deals with pouring in the honor. Pouring in the honor on people that you admire. Pouring on the people that you're wanting to inspire. Pouring in the honor of people that you're wanting to help. It begins with honoring God. Honor attracts God. It attracts the anointing of God. Pouring in that honor is a representation of a spirit-filled life. And how we guard ourselves from, from that door of dishonor being opened. The door of doubt, unbelief. The door of disgust. The door of disease, the door of addiction, of addiction, that door needs to be locked and shut once and for all. You know, the Gospel of John tells us an interesting topic of something that happened in Jesus' life. How many of you ever heard the statement, the synoptic Gospels? You ever heard of that statement? I'm going to teach you something this morning because first service knew it. What, what's wrong with you? 
the, the synoptic gospels is simply Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And the reason they're called synoptic gospels because all of the stories in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are told from a different perspective, but basically they're the same story. So in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you're hearing the story and life of Jesus told in their understanding. How many of you know what I'm talking about? That's why it's called the Synoptic Gospels, because they all have a similar vein and a lane they're telling about Jesus. But John does something different that none of the other gospel writers give us. John chapter 2 shows Jesus going into the temple. Remember when Jesus did it? He did it in Matthew. It tells us in Mark. It tells us in Luke. And it tells us in John that Jesus would ride on the donkey. He would go into the temple. He would see the money changers, all the dishonor in the temple. So he got righteously indignant. He got angry. He whipped the cord around his hand. He went there and he just started getting after the religious people. He He went all gangster. He turned over the money changers. And he said, my house may be called a house of what? Prayer. But you have made it a den of thieves. Remember that story in the Bible? How many of you know that's in the Bible? How many know there is a Bible? Okay, I'm just figuring out where we're at this morning. Well, what John says is something that none of the other authors tell us. John tells that story in John chapter 2. And then he tells us the story again later in his writings that Jesus did it at the beginning of his ministry. And then John says he came back three years later and he cleanses it of the very same thing. Why did God through John tell us that Jesus did it once in the beginning and once toward the end? The point is because stuff comes back. Stuff comes back. What a picture. If you and I are the body of the Holy Spirit, a temple of God. Remember that triune, that trinity, body, soul, and spirit. You have a body, your earthly tent. You have a soul. That's your realm of what you can see, what you can touch, what you can think, what you can smell. And then you have a spirit. That's your eternal. That's what soars into the thermal clouds and goes into glory. That's eternal. That's what lives with Jesus forever. And if we are the body, the temple of the Holy Spirit, how many of you? You know, this flesh can get all messed up. Our soul can get all perplexed because we're hearing something and we didn't hear something. And then if we're not careful, it starts to contaminate the spirit. And you and I need a constant cleanse. That's why you have to go to the cross. The cross saves us from the penalty of sin. But it's the daily washing of the word that keeps us from the presence of sin. And then it's the worship, the worship of God that keeps you and I entering in. So you go to the cross, it kills the present, it keeps you from sin. The worship of the Lord keeps you entering in. And the washing of that daily word keeps that sin at the door. And you shut that door. So it doesn't open anymore so think about that for a moment what a picture that I just portrayed to you and I did an amazing job by the way I mean I just took something that was so theologically complicated and I made it so amazingly simple but you have to realize that's how I roll that's how I get down but what a picture of how beautiful this thing is that this stuff always comes back if it happened in Jesus's time Why wouldn't it happen in our time? 
So the day that you get saved, you receive Jesus, you get eternally saved. That means anybody who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That means any person, any background, up, down, black, white, red, yellow, all in betweens, big, little, skinny, or anything in the middle, hair, no hair, dye, by, whatever you do, no matter who you are, if you accept Jesus, that spirit man, that spirit is born again. But it's up to you and I to constantly cleaning out that temple that outward temple and that emotional temple. It has to be cleansed. That's why the temple has to constantly be cleansed. It's like if you go out long enough outside and you come into the house, if somebody's been in the house all day, they're going to say, you smell like? Oh, you must all smell like outside. You come to the Steelman household, we have house clothes and we have outside clothes. We don't bring our outside clothes into the house clothes. When I come to the house, if I'm there to stay, I take off the outside clothes and I put on my house clothes because that's how I roll. And then I make sure that the stank of the outside doesn't get in on the beautiful aroma on the inside. But that takes work. Jennifer's got to do a lot of laundry to make that happen. It takes work. And Saul's fighting this very same thing with this re-entering and this open door issue. Some of you are fighting the same thing. You've let relationships of a hurtful man just keep that door open. Keep that door open of abuse. But I love him. He's going to change. If he hasn't changed now, what makes you think he's going to change if he slaps you the second time? He'll change. Yeah, he's going to get worse. I certainly am. But I think there's something so important about shutting the door. That's why battles reveal to us more than church services do. It's so important because you all look so good worshiping this morning. I came over here, then I walked over there because I wanted to see a, a landscape of you worship. If worship was our thermometer of how we win the victory, you all won today hands down. I mean, yeah, you could give yourselves a round of applause. I mean, some of you have the Holy Ghost wave. Some of you are at half mass. Some of you are at full exposure. Some of you are acting like you had some rhythm. Some of you are standing there like wooden Indians. Some of you are screaming like Comanche Indians. But all of us, if we collaboratively would give an A, a grade, it would be an A. You all received an A plus. If battles were, were, were our worship service, A plus, we win. But that's not the thermostat. Jesus said, if it's those who we love least, it's those who we love least. For he said, how can you say you love God who you can't see and hate a brother or sister who you can see? He said, the love of God is not in you. First John 420. I don't know about you, but I don't like first John 420. Some of you ain't never read that Bible then, because if you read that, you think, oh, my gosh, how can I say I love God who I can't see? And I have trouble with the brother or sister who I can see. It says the love of God is not in me when I have issues with somebody else. So the battle exposes us. It exposes us more than a church service. It exposes our life. That's why I can tell you from experience, things will change you. I can tell you from experience that marriage will change you. I've been married now 20 years this September. That's pretty amazing. Yeah, you can give that a round of applause. I got married when I was 10. No, I was like 15, I think. 
But marriage will change you. I, I say that from experience, you know, because it was funny that Jennifer, you know, when she, we met in church, by the way. You always got to remember your hookup is found in the house of God. Don't go missionary dating. Don't try to flirt to convert. That's not going to work. So you, I, I met Jennifer because she was at a church that I was speaking at and she was in love with the bald guy. And then, because I was bald back then, believe it or not, 20 years ago, I still had it going on or off, however you want to look at that. But I, I'll never forget meeting Jennifer. And then, you know, I, we had our milkshake. We shared the straw and I fell in love. I was so in love with her. I'll never forget it. I, I had I've been on my own since I was 11. So I had no parents raise me. So everything that I had, I had to really work hard for. So when I bought my first house before I was 18 and I bought my my second house when I was in my 20s and I was traveling, I had things so meticulous. I mean, when you look up OCD in the dictionary, there's my face. I mean, I was so meticulous in particular about what I liked, what I didn't like. And I'll never forget when I fell in love. When love gripped me, and it gripped my heart, so overwhelming. I, I remember Jennifer and I, we were engaged because, you know, it was a short engagement. It was like an hour. It was like a short engagement. <laughs> and so we got engaged, and, you know, there's no, you're married, you're getting married, you're in your 20s. Don't be giving me like, we're going to wait three and a half years. I'm like, what are you, a eunuch? What are you waiting for? Some of you get that on the drive home. <laughs> Don't be, well, anyway. You must not care, you unholy being. <laughs> now you'll get it. And so we got a, you know, we had a quick engagement because, you know, we, we were in love. And I said, well, you know, I'm, I'm traveling to Iowa. I'm going to fix the electrical buckle, debacle that happened in Iowa. I, I, I was going to Iowa, not for the stuff like that. It was, it was years ago. So I, I was going to Iowa, and I, and I gave Jennifer the keys to my place. Now, nobody ever had keys to the bad cave, but you know what? When you're in love, I'm like, baby girl, you, here's the keys. We're going to be married when I get back. I can't wait to just love you and love all over you. I just can't wait. I'm just, I just can't wait for our lives forever together. And then, you know, I said the craziest thing. Don't hold her ears. We were kissing the other day, and I said, look, girls, look. You've been married 20 years. You take anything you can get. <laughs> well, you can't laugh in the house of God, you bunch of prunes. <laughs> and so I said, hey, I'm leaving to Iowa. I'm, I'm going to go do a crusade. I'll be back. And here's the keys to the bat cave. Whatever you need to bring in there and just bring it on in. It's all yours, baby. We're going to be married forever. Oh, dale, mija. <laughs> so I went to Iowa. I came back. My black and chrome house had turned plum. I'll never forget her taking me, and she says, I've done some things. <laughs> I'm like, you know, you're in love. I'm like, okay, oh, it's fine. And then she showed me the kitchen. It was no longer black and chrome. She showed me the doilies in the bathroom. She showed me all the beautiful little things. These were the soaps that are for viewing only. I'm like, what is that? These are the towels we use. And these are the ones we don't use. But you know what would, what, what would happen? When you're in love, 
You're willing to take on the likes and the dislikes of the one you're in love with. You see, I was so in love, and I still am. Don't you ever forget it, girl. I was so in love and enamored by Jennifer. I didn't care if she turned that house hot pink. I was just glad she wanted to be with a wretch like me. And it's funny because when you're in love, you're willing to change stuff. I say that to some of you today because when you really fall in love with Jesus, not fall in love with the world, not fall in love with religion, not fall in love, but when you really fall in love with Jesus, you're willing to take on the likes and the dislikes of the one that you're in love with. You have to know what God loves and you have to know what he says stay away from. The Bible says you who love the Lord hate the evil things. So you have to learn to take on the likes and the dislikes of the one you're in love with. That's the problem with many of you at the sound of my voice. You don't love God enough to take on the likes and the dislikes of what he says to stay away from. That's why he says, shut the door of that old relationship. Shut the door of that old mindset. Shut the door of that old religious mentality that you've carried for so many years. Shut the door and say yes to your destiny because I wouldn't take anything away from you that would and take you to your divine destiny to help you. Man, that's good. As we get ready to close our time, because there's always going to be a Philistine that shows up. At King Saul's beginning, what happens? A Philistine army. In the middle of him being king, a Philistine army. And now at the end, here comes the Philistines to take him out. And so he does what he shouldn't have done. He goes and he opens up a door that he left cracked to go back and talk to a witch, talk to a medium, when he should have waited and listened for God. Do you know David beat Goliath, but all throughout the Philistines keep showing up? No matter how long you've been saved, no matter how short you've been saved, there's always going to be a battle with the thing that's come against you. You say, well, I've already been free from drugs. I've already been free from alcohol. I've already been free from those mindsets. But if you leave that door open, if you leave a crack there, it's always going to come back. I tell young married people, there shouldn't be a password. There shouldn't be an account. When they go to bed, you go to bed. You, there are no, no rooftops here, Jack. You do what your wife wants you to do because there's something about leaving the door just opened a little bit. I had a lady recently tell me, said, Pastor, I've been at your church three and a half years and I've never had a chance to meet you and, and talk to you. I want to set an appointment one-on-one. -on -one. I said, you're going to be here another three and a half years. I don't meet with ladies one-on-one. -on -one. I never have, I never will. That's why you didn't get an appointment. Because I'm not going to sit across from you. Tell me about your life. We have women counselors that will do that. We have others that will do that. You get in a counseling session with me, there's going to be another person taking notes. And my point in that is not because they're bad and I'm good and I'm good and they're bad. I'm shutting the door. I'm shutting the dang door. I'm not letting you even give an accusation, devil. I'm not letting the devil tempt me in those areas which are common unto man. So my point to you is what areas, what, what fight is coming back? He knows how to get you. The weapons that have been formed against you, the scripture says, shall not prosper. But what many people don't realize, the word form means to personalize a weapon. The enemy has personalized a weapon to come against you, to come against your family, to come against your home, your children. That means the enemy knows what to get you with. He knows what to go after you with. He doesn't get me with things he gets you with. He doesn't get me with drugs. I've never done drugs. 
I had a guy recently tell me, my testimony, Joey, is just like yours. Man, I was hooked on drugs and I've been free just like you. And I said, I've never done drugs, man. I don't know who told you that. I've never done drugs. I've never smoked a cigarette. I've seen the devastation it did to my dad. I said, I want no part of that stuff. That doesn't get me. It doesn't get me with alcohol. 23, four years ago, I was reading the Bible. One morning when I got up, I had just given my life to Christ and I was drinking a beer with the other hand because I've been drinking since I was 11. And I was drinking a beer with one hand. I was reading the Bible with the other. And I literally looked at the beer in my hand and said, I don't need this anymore. This is not a part of my future. And I put that down and I said, that weapon that has been formed against me, it's not going to. So in other words, I don't do that, not because I'm telling you not to do that, but you ought not do that if that's a vice in your life. And I knew that would be a vice in my life if I didn't get rid of that thing once and for all. He doesn't get me with drugs. He doesn't get me with alcohol. He doesn't get me with certain stuff, but he knows what to go after me with. I'm not going to tell you what he gets me with because it's not for you to know. I can tell you one thing. That's why I don't put Jesus bumper stickers on my car because I know how I drive. That's why we don't sell them. Follow me to Oasis because I see how some of you drive. We don't want to fight people. We want to love people. That's why I don't put stickers on my car. Follow me to Oasis. They might not follow for the right reason. Because I know how I do certain things. And so certain things I'm aware of. And the enemy knows what to go after. What that thing that Saul that banished. Listen to this in closing. Who attacks him? The Philistines. The very people he had battled all his life show up again. And that's why God allows these enemies to keep showing up until you pass that test. The Bible says something interesting in that passage I read this morning. Saul was afraid. He was afraid. So he went back to the door that he was supposed to keep closed. But because of fear, he opened up that door. Like so many people, they live in a constant state of fear. They live and they're afraid. Failure is not final, but failure can be a great teacher. Success is for your pleasure, but failure is for your learning. It's for you and I to learn something from our failures. And I can tell you that because there are many times we fail on so many things and they're not for our pleasure. That's what success is, but they're for our learning. And that's why God only anoints truth. And some of you have to realize you can learn by the truth of God's word or you can learn by tribulation. I don't know about you, but I would rather learn by the truth of God's word and not have to go through tribulation after tribulation after tribulation because I didn't close the door. Because there will always be a Philistine until you pass that test. They keep showing up, they keep showing up, they keep calling, they keep texting, they keep acting a way that's inappropriate, they keep talking inappropriate, they keep doing things to lower your standard, to lower your destiny, they keep doing things to bring you to a place of an addiction, to bring you to a place of going back to that hot side, to go back to that website, to go back to that place, and God says, shut the door and don't look back. Don't look back. I have destiny for you. In closing, can we stand together? The door of doubt and unbelief is one of the most difficult doors to leave closed. Remember in Mark chapter 6, where the scriptures say that Jesus was teaching the multitudes, and as he was teaching the multitudes, they've been listening for days, and they were miles away from the nearest subway. 
and there was nothing to eat. And so the disciples were concerned and they brought it to Jesus and Jesus said, well, go get them something to eat. And they said, well, we're miles away. They would take 200 denarii, which is a lot of money to feed all these people. The Bible says there were 5,000 men listening that day, plus women and children. They didn't count the women and children. So there were 15,000 plus there listening to the Lord. So Jesus said, well, what do we have here? Remember the story? So they brought the little boy to Jesus. He had, he had the box lunch, five barley loaves, two small fishes. And when they brought the lunch to Jesus, he sat him down. Groups of 50, groups of 100, he sat him down. He prayed over that food and they dispersed that food. And the Bible says there were 12 basketfuls left over. Now, if I was there that day and I got to see with my own eyes, Jehovah Jireh, our provider, distribute out 12 basketfuls left over, over one boy sack lunch, you would never have to convince me again that God would be our provider in the time of need. But if, but if that you think would be enough, it wasn't. Fast forward, not 10 years, not, not five years, fast forward two chapters to Mark chapter eight. Mark chapter 8, the days the multitudes were very great and having nothing to eat. Jesus called his disciples and they had, he said, have compassion on these multitudes because they've been with me for three days and they have nothing to eat. Do not send them away because they'll faint. This is Jesus talking. And the disciples said in verse 4, how can one satisfy these people with bread here in the wilderness? What is he talking about? He just did it. And if I was there, I would say, duh. Weren't you there? Weren't you the one carrying Andrew? Thomas, stop your dang doubting. Didn't you give out the baskets? Didn't you give enough for that little Jewish boy to go home and start a delicatessen? Start a business, small business? Of course. But it's this danger of this door that's left open. Of doubt. Unbelief. The door that I'm going to live with disease. The door that that's going to be my lot in life to have wayward children. That door that says, I'm going to live in fear. I'm going to die prematurely. I'm going to live with not enough. I'm just going to make it in life. That door that says, I'm not going to be used of God. That door that's left open that says, I'm just going to have these cruddy relationships. He's, he's the only one that God has for me. He's the, she's the only one God has for me. Yeah. Yeah. That door needs to be shut. Can we bow our heads and close our eyes?